thankful for our youth group, thankful that have others uh, that will help with them and do things with them. We appreciate that. Uh, it seems here lately we've, uh, between Brandy, myself, and the girls, it seems we've had to miss here or there, but thankful for those that are willing to step up. But uh, thankful to be here this evening. Thankful for what God is doing and the blessings that he's poured out on us. They sang that song, Lord, you're the best thing. Certainly, he is the best thing. Uh, I've not found anything better. I've not found anything that even comes close to being better than God. It's a wonderful feeling to know him. It's a wonderful feeling to appreciate him, to begin to know him better and all these things that we do as we... Uh, continue to grow in God and it's just, uh, it's blessing upon blessing upon blessing and I'm thankful to know that this evening. Certainly God is the best thing. I, I don't know anybody else. Um, you all may not feel this way this evening but I certainly do. I've been blessed beyond measure. I've been blessed in spite of myself. I've been blessed when I certainly don't deserve it. Thankful that God was willing in eternity past to put together a plan to put us where we need to be that we might hear the gospel that we might come to the knowledge of salvation that we might know him I'm thankful for that this evening I tell you my life seems like it's kind of been turned upside down here in the past six weeks two months something like that a lot of different things that have happened. A lot of things have somewhat changed, but I tell you, one thing that's been consistent is God. Hey, through all the storms, through all the trials, whatever it may be, hey, God has been consistent, and I'm thankful for that. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21, we'll start reading in verse 1. Sounds like most people were there. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou bind Hebrew servant six years, shall he, he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters. And he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the door post. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall serve him forever. 
Pray with me and pray for me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening. God, we ask that you'd guide us, God. Lord, that you'd focus our mind. God, Lord, that you'd guide our tongue. God, Lord, you wouldn't let us say anything out of the way. God, certainly, if you want us to stand up here and stammer around, God, that's certainly up to you because I couldn't preach anyways without you, God. Lord, so I want to just allow you to have right away with me this evening, God. Lord, just use me as a tool in your hand, God. Lord, use me to share something with this people, God, this evening, God. Lord, I ask for your help. God, I ask that the hearts and minds would be clear. They'd be focused in, not on what I'm saying, God, Lord, but what are you, what you're speaking to their hearts. God, we love and appreciate you. We thank you for all that we have. God, we ask for your help now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Understand what is being explained here in this chapter. Um, God is telling Moses, these are the judgments or these are the precepts, the laws that we are going to lay out for the Hebrew people. And if you would were to buy a slave, these are the rules you're supposed to follow. And uh, not only, I mean, this is right after the Ten Commandments are given and there's a bunch of other laws that we see here and regarding this and that. But this is what we're focused in on this evening is the laws concerning servants or the laws concerning slaves and we may think that that's kind of an odd thing for us to refer to ourselves as slaves but oh you read throughout your Bible and you find that time after time it talks about our servitude our bondage to Christ and we ought to be slaves to him and in service to him in all that we do so we'll title the message this evening I love my master I love my master. Four simple words and you may say, well, it's not real deep theologically. It's not this, it's not that. It may not be, but I'll tell you what, I love my master. Hey, you may think that, oh, it's kind of difficult sometimes and sometimes it is, but through it all, I want to be able to say that I love my master. Through the hard times and on the mountaintops, I want to be able to say that I love my master. You might look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and think, well, where should I love my master? Well, everywhere is a good place to love your master. Our love should not be based on location. So it's not good enough just to love God while you're in church or while we're in the back on Wednesday night among other people who love God. No, we need to love God when we're out in the world. We need to love God when we're at school. We need to love God when we're at Walmart. Wherever it is we go, we need to love our master. That's where we should love our master. When should I love my master? Oh, much like where. Anywhere is a good place and any time is a good place to love our master. You see, to show him love, to show our master love, or to do service to him is how we can love our master. Understand that it's our reasonable service. You see, God loved me when I was his enemy. God loved me when I didn't want anything to do with him. Hey, certainly now that he has sought me out, that he's went through this hunt and he's tracked me down and he's showed his love to me, certainly I can love him. Certainly I can show my love to him. Through service is how we should love our master. 
Bible tells us in the book of Romans that it's our reasonable service to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Hey, reasonable. God does not say that this is crazy for you to do this. No, but it's reasonable. Hey, you know what that means? It basically means this. You are expected to do so. You see, every two weeks I expect my employer to give me a paycheck. And every day God expects for me to sacrifice myself to his will. You see, we have expectations on people. Brother Morgan, we're often not happy when people fall short of our expectations. But when we begin to look at the expectations that God has of us, oh, when we see where we fall short, oftentimes we don't even want to acknowledge or recognize those things because it requires something of us. It requires us to sacrifice. It requires us to do this or to do that. Hey, but understand, that is how we should love our master. Hey, to love our master is not just to say, I love my master. No, but love ought to be an action word for the Christian. Love ought to be something that we do in service to him. Love is a verb. So that's where I should love my master, when I should love my master, how I should love my master, but why should I love my master? Why should I love my master, pastor? You might think, well, or this reason or that reason, he's stacked my bank account so full I've had to diversify my portfolio and all these other things. No, that's not why I should love my master. But I'll tell you what, I ought to love my master because of his purchase. Understand what your Bible says. If thou would buy a Hebrew slave, if there was to be somebody who made a purchase to buy a slave, to buy a servant, hey, he bought me. That's why I ought to love my master and his purchase does so much for me. His purchase secures me. It subjects me. Hey, it saves me. Hey, I'm thankful that he bought me one day. Understand something. His purchase is so important. We were on vacation a couple years ago in uh, Charleston and not just right down the road. We went a couple states away, but we were in Charleston, South Carolina, and there's a lot of history in that city. And I'll tell you, one of the most fascinating things that I thought one of the most interesting, anyhow, was that they had still yet the auction block from when they'd bring slaves in there to Charleston. And they'd put them up on the auction block. They'd begin to auction them off one by one to go to this plantation, go to that plantation. A lot of those plantations are still down there. You can tour them, it's pretty neat. But I tell you what, I would be so disappointed if you had heard of all these masters that were there to buy and you got stuck with one of the main ones. Or you got stuck with one who wasn't so concerned about his servants, wasn't so concerned about those that were going to do service for him. Oh, but if you would have been bought by somebody who loved you, who cared for you, was willing to pay whatever it was to get you off the auction block of sin, hey, his purchase is important. It secures me. Hey, I no longer belong to myself, but I belong to him because of the payment that he made for your soul and for my soul with the Christ's blood at Calvary. He has secured me through his purchase. 
not only does it secure me, but it subjects me. If he has bought me and I don't belong to myself, then I belong to somebody else. I belong to him. And if I belong to him, if he says to go here or to go there, I'm to go here or I'm to go there. Or if he tells me to do this or to do that, I'm to do those things. So not only does his purchase secure me, but it subjects me. It puts me in subjection to him. Some of you that are in our, or you all that are in our youth group, you have parents, grandparents, somebody that takes care of you. You're in subjection to them. I know you all really like this topic and it's fun to hear about how when your mom tells you to go clean your room, you ought to just get up and go clean your room or your mom tells you to quit back talking this, that, or the other. You ought to listen. Hey, I understand. It's not always fun being in subjection to somebody, but understand what it means when you're in subjection to somebody. It means that they know more than you know. That they have something that you don't have. They were at, they're in a position to be that way for a reason. I'm not telling you that your parents are always right, but I'm telling you this, that God has placed them in that position for your benefit the same way that God has placed himself in a position for our benefit as we are subject to him. We are to be subject to the Lord because he is our master. It saves us. His purchase. The Bible tells us there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Hey, if there was no blood shed, there would be no remission. There'd be no way for you and I to get to God. Or, hey, understand that God could not look upon sin, still is not able to look upon sin, and he wasn't going to turn a blind eye to it for you or anybody else. But understand something. Because the blood was shed, it has saved our souls. It has saved us because of his purchase. So that's one reason why I love my master. His purchase. He bought me. Why else do I love my master? Look at the text here. If his master have given him a wife and she hath borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But the first couple words are, if his master have given him, if his master has supplied anything to him, I'll tell you a reason that the slave, that the servant loves his master because of his provision. His provision. What is it? What is a provision? It's the fact that He provides us with things. Hey, I wrote this down as I was studying this, or as I read through this. His provision. He loads me. He loads me down. Hey, you think about it like this. Some of you drive trucks for a living. You pull into the dock. You pull into the bay, wherever it is, and they just begin to load you down with different things on your truck. And that's what God does for us. He loads us down with different benefits. Every day it tells us that he renews his mercies, that his benefits are great. And understand that any good thing you have in your life has come from him. Any good thing, your job, your health, your family, this, that, and the other, your vehicle, any good thing you have has come from God. You may say, well, I'm not saved sitting here today. Hey, still yet, any good thing you have has come from God. Hey, God has given you an opportunity to sit in this place this evening and to listen to me. And I don't really know why he's done that to you, but understand something, that God has put you in a place to where you can hear the gospel, to where you might come to an altar and get saved. God has provided something for you. 
His provision, I'll tell you a little bit about his provision. His provision makes me think of Mephibosheth. It makes me think of how he was out in a place that had no bread, out fearing for his life, trying to hide away from the only one that could help him. Mephibosheth was out in this land and David sends for him and David brings him to him and the first thing David does is sustain him. You say, what's that mean? David provides everything that he needs. Notice what I said. He provides everything that he needs. That is sustaining. But not only does he sustain him, and I know that this is probably not a word. I did my best to look up something that started with an S, but this is going to be real good. Yeah. Sometimes bad English makes good preaching. Amen. But he surpluses me. Yes, sir. He surpluses Amen. me. So this is what it is. He has given me everything that I need, and then he just continues to pile it on. He continues to lay it on even thicker. Understand, the first is mercy. Before anything, I had to have mercy that God would save me, that God would do something, that he would take something away from me that I rightfully deserve. But then the second is grace. It's the fact that God has poured on to me time and time again. Hey, things that I have no right having but God has saw fit to give those to us. Amen. He sustains me. He surpluses me. It's over and above. It's more than what I need. It's more than what I could ever come up with in my finite mind to think, oh, I'm going to ask God for this and I'm going to ask God for that. I tell you, over and above all the time God has poured out blessings on me and I begin to think back on my life and think of all the things that God has done for me to get me to where I'm at now and it is just mind-boggling that he would do something like that for me. That's his provision. Not only does it sustain me, not only does it surplus me, but it supports me. I tell you, I've had some times in my life that I didn't know if I was going to make it. Didn't know if I'd be okay. Didn't know if it was just going to come down to that valley that I was in and I was just going to stay there for the rest of my life. I've had some times that have felt like that. But I'm thankful that God has saw fit that in his provision, he'd send some people my way. Hey, that he, that would be a friend to me, that would bless me, that would encourage me along the way. I tell you, our pastor is one of those people in my life at a time where I was uh, just about as confused as I could ever be and just different things were happening and going on in my life and our pastor came to me and he was a friend to me he was a brother to me he was a help to me and other people along the way and I tell you what it is a wonderful thing to have a master that will send somebody your way to support you and I'd say each and every one of us if we look back over our life we can think of a time in our life that God has sent somebody our way to support us God has sent somebody our way to give us extra, more than what we could ever come up with, or God maybe just send somebody your way just to sustain you for a little bit. Just sustain you until you get to the next mile post maybe. Just get you enough to get to where God needs you to be. I'm thankful for the provision of our master. That's why I love our master. That's why I love my master. Because of his purchase, because of his provision. But I'll tell you, more than either of those why I love my master 
is because of his person. More than anything he could ever provide. More than, and I know that it doesn't, it's not this way, but give me a little bit of leeway here. If it would have required God to buy me a thousand times and he did so, and wonderful. But still yet, without his person, I don't believe he would have done so. So I love my master more than anything simply because of his person. But what about his person? Well, his person satisfies me. He is the missing part. You're sitting here lost this evening and you're thinking, I've tried this, I've tried that, and it just nothing seems to satisfy me. Well, let me explain it to you this way. I believe, and this is Smithology, you take it for what you will, but every person has a God-shaped and God-sized hole in their life. You see, if it was just a certain size, you fill it up with whatever. If it was just a certain shape, you could just get anything that was that shape to fill it. But God is the only one who can fill that void. God is the only one who can give you that type of contentment, that type of satisfaction, something that, I mean, you just get all of it that you can, right? When you get it, when God comes to you and you just are just overwhelmed with it, but still yet you're wanting more and you're trying to figure out how it is that I have something and I know that I have it, but I, I want more of it and I want to know more about him and I want to love him more and I, this, that, and the other, and it just seems to just blow your mind. How much God can satisfy you when life is absolutely tearing you apart God will satisfy you when you've tried this that and the other God will satisfy you hey I know that most of us in here are saved this evening but oftentimes even saved people will get to a place to where we think we need to have something else that will satisfy us let me remind you of something that God has satisfied you initially and God will continue to satisfy you for the rest of your life and God will satisfy you throughout eternity I'm thankful that his person satisfies me that's why I love my master because he satisfies me not only that about his person but also he stamps me what's the Bible say here it says his master would take him to a door or a door post and he would bore his ear through he would pierce his ear and do a little studying on that Oftentimes, it was a, the upper part of your ear there and the servant would publicly say that I love my master and I don't want to leave my master and the master would take him to the judges those that wherever he had bought him and said this is what he said and he would make this statement publicly and plainly again understand it was not you know I love my master no, I don't believe that's how it was, but I believe it was probably a little more like this, sister buddy. I love my master. I love him. Hey, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. Hey, I love my master. Hey, I love him because of his purchase that he bought me out of a sin debt. Hey, he paid a debt I couldn't, that he didn't know, and it was one that I could not pay. I'm thankful for his purchase. I tell you what else, I love him because of his provision. He's provided me with everything that I need. He's given me a good wife. 
right? He's giving me two little girls running around here that's sitting while I'm trying to preach and I'm thankful for it. And I tell you what, if any of you have ever sat and tried to hold a toddler through service, hey, I tell you what, if you bring them consistently, I believe you love your master because that's not always fun. It's not always enjoyable. Hey, but I'm thankful that my wife sitting back there rocking Ray a little bit loves her master enough to bring her to church. It's been trying sometimes. It's been difficult sometimes. But I tell you what, because of the love that he has for me, I can love him even more. But my master, his person, he stamps me. He puts his mark on me. It's a mark that I've lived with for the rest of my life understand something hey, Christ has some marks on him that he'll have for the rest of eternity hey, because our master loves us hey, sir, should we not have some marks on us because we love our master should we not have some scars some marks of some type that show us, show the world that we love our master you see his person satisfies me his person stamps me. <laughs> you read throughout the Bible how we're the workmanship of God, how he's the potter and we're the clay and God makes us and he molds us and he forms us into how he would have us to be. Understand something. Hey, each and every piece is different. Each and every piece has a different purpose. Hey, but each and every one have the stamp of the master. I tell you, you get around people who do woodworking or this, that, or the other, oftentimes, regardless of who it is, they'll have themselves a brand of some type made, some type of stamp, that when they complete a piece, they'll take that and they'll get it hot and they'll stamp their work. I tell you what, I'd like for my life to get to a place to where God says, I'll put my stamp of approval on that. When we do things for God, you may think them little at the time. You may think that they don't matter a whole lot, but we need to do things for Him in a manner that we could just say, I love my Master. I was praying up here a little while ago, and I'm not saying this to be arrogant or boastful. I said, Lord, help me to just preach because I love you. Help me to serve you just simply because I love you. Not so somebody can say, well, I went and listened to him and he said this and he did that. No, but simply because I love my master. He satisfies me. He stamps me. But not only does his person do that, but also he steadies me. You see, as the servant would work and do this and do that, I'm certain at times he would become tired. Certain at times he would need something else to do a work, do this or do that. Master come along and give him something that he needs to help steady him along. I tell you, it's an amazing thing to think that the God this universe cares enough about me that he'd come down to where I'm at to help me along, to steady me on life's road so that I might get to a place to where I can do something for him, understand that his person, it satisfies me, it stamps me, but it also steadies me. Each and every day, God is steadying me. He's doing something to help me along the way. He might send somebody my way to do so. He might do this, he might do that, but I tell you what, it's all because of the master. That's why 
I love my master. You may say, preacher, it wasn't very long, it wasn't very deep. Maybe not, but I love my master. I tell you, as we come to a close, I've, I don't know, I've had this note card in my Bible for some time now. I don't even know how long. And oftentimes I would just begin to think, I love my master. I love my master. See, I'm not worthy to even have a master like him. But I love my master. He's more than I deserve. He certainly poured out more on me than I could thank him for in 10,000 lifetimes. I love my master. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you have kind of been in a place where you haven't loved your master so much. You say, well, preacher, that's kind of harsh. Well, I'm just telling you, I've been in places like that where I didn't love God as much as I ought to. I've been in places where it just seems that I really didn't even have much reverence for my master. But I begin to think about who it is I serve. And it just seems that God just gently sits down beside me and sometimes not so gently, but most of the time it seems to be gently. But he begins to kind of just explain these things to me. He said, do you remember my purchase back March 26, 2009? you remember when I bought you? He said, you remember when I provided for you? Even when you weren't my own, I provided for you so that you might even get to a place on the day that you got saved that you'd be there. He said, and furthermore, do you remember who I am? More than anything else, more than what he's provided, more than what he's bought for us, more than anything else, his person should be why we love our master. Brother John, if you'd come to the piano. I'm not going to ask that we get a song, but Brother John, if you just play softly and I won't give you an opportunity to come and do business with God. And you say, preacher, really not much to do business about. Maybe not, and maybe not for you. Maybe you just need to come and thank God that you have such a master. Maybe he's not your master. And these things that I was talking about, he's purchase, he's provision, he's person, you really don't understand that. You can come up here right now and offer yourself to him if God is dealing with you you have an opportunity right now to come and do business with him and to get saved and to have a master to have one that loves you to have one that cares for you to have one that just absolutely will bless your socks off day in and day out now I'm not going to tell you that it feels like you're on top of the world every day because it doesn't but when I begin to think about who I serve I'm reminded that I have a master like no other I have a master that is not that nobody in this world can come close to being compared to. I love my master. I hope that if he's your master, you love him too. But as Brother John plays, and we all stand, bow our heads, close our eyes, I just want to give you